Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Club to you too, over there. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals capusta, funky, pierogi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so a a a a a lot of Polish tradition there. Hey, Yakshamash, everybody. Hope your day is going well. Welcome to the Kilbasa Extravaganza. This is Jake Kokorowski coming to you live from Madison, Wisconsin. we got a very big show today. We've got a lot of fun coming up, obviously. It is Wisconsin-Iowa week. It is the battle for the Heartland Trophy. Wisconsin leads uh, by two wins in that series right now. And uh, before we even get to that, we're going to have Patrick Vint from Blackheart Gold Pants, our SB Nation cousins who cover the Iowa Hawkeyes and Iowa Athletics. They will stop on by, Patrick will at least. Maybe we'll have Adam Jacoby as well at 8.35. Big news real quick as we wait for the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski to join. Two big recruits that come out of the state of Arizona committed verbally to the Wisconsin Badgers you're looking at uh, one of the top defensive tackles, Pat, uh, Garrett Rand. Garrett is a four-star talent out, out of Scotts. Uh, was it? Yeah, I think he's out of Scottsdale. Let me take a look real quick. But you also have Caden uh, Lyles is actually out of Scottsdale, Arizona, the four-star office lineman. His brother is the quarterback recruit for the class of 2016. Caden is a, an offensive lineman, one of the top-rated guards in the nation for the class of 2017. So uh, that is a very good start for them. Garrett Rand out of Arizona as well. Four-star kid guy. I don't know if you guys noticed it, but uh, Rand can bench press about 500, over 500 pounds. I think it's about 560 for that bench. So you're getting two fundamental rocks in both your offense and your defensive line for recruiting. It is verbal. Uh, you wonder if they'll they'll stick to it, obviously, but uh, Caden Lyles, his, obviously his brother is a commit, but also his father played for the University of Wisconsin back from 1993 to 1996. So there's a legacy there. And uh, Garrett Rand, has, he's got a family on his mom's side on on, on there. So uh, we'll see if the uh, if those hold up. But a uh, good day for Wisconsin recruiting, both four-star talents and, and top of their class. And, and I know Rand is the, one of the top-rated players in Arizona, if not the ra- top-rated according to most boards. So I'm. But before we get into talking Wisconsin and Iowa, like I said, we're gonna have Patrick Vent come on about 8:35, about a half hour from now. Help us preview Wisconsin. Help us preview Iowa and, and what to expect out of the game, which is gonna be a slugfest. It's gonna be a close one. We'll get into that 
But before we even do that, I got the Polish rifle Scott Wisniewski and calling in from sunny Florida. Hopefully, uh, you'll be able to get out of that uh, the hurricane type weather. It, it looks like it's going to start possibly affect that East Coast, Scotty. But how's the weather been otherwise? How, how's been uh, the Jacksonville area? Uh, weather's been fine, actually. We're uh, we're not in any hurricane danger, at least right now. I mean, we're leaving tomorrow anyway. But apparently. As you move up the coast and hit the Carolinas, they're going to get hit pretty hard in Maryland and Virginia, possibly. But we are avoiding that and cutting across the state of Georgia and up through Tennessee. And it can't be any worse than what we had coming down where it rained. Essentially, we drove essentially 20 of the 25 hours of driving. We were in rain. So I don't think anything could be worse than what we had encountered on our trip down. So anyway... Uh, that's that. Things have been fabulous down here. Uh, we were able, obviously, to uh, view the Packer game, and the Packers go to 3-0, and though uh, suffer a few more injuries. Uh, Corliss now out uh, for quite some time now, as uh, they've put him on the IR. Uh, Devontae Adams lasted three plays before he re-injured himself. Um, so the injuries continue to pile up, uh, though they're winning. And they go on the road, take on San Francisco, which we'll talk about that later on. But the game itself, Aaron Rodgers looked really good. The offense seeming the the defense set the tone, played well for the first half. Eh, second half, not so good, but the game was comfortably at hand before the defense started to, to fall apart. My prediction did come true about the receivers finally catching a touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs. But other than that, they Won the game. They're three and zero. Five other teams or four teams are three and zero. Um, and the Packers. Here's an interesting stat. I bet you may may or may not have known that. Other than the Patriots, uh, they play every other. Scotty, there. Up, oh, up. Oh, what's going on, Scotty? Let's take a quick look. Hold on a second. Let me just take a quick gander there. Scotty, you there, brother? Scotty? All right, let's give him a let's have him come back. Uh, but Packers, obviously, they improved the three and zero, a solid, solid start uh, for the season. But like you said, they piled on some injuries, and you're also. Uh, you know, you're you're facing uh, some more injuries on the, on that front. Uh, we'll see if uh, we're giving, that, giving Scott here a quick call. I'm placing that right now, but uh, we'll see if the Packers are obviously. Hi, you have reached the cell phone of Scott Wisniewski. I... Oh, and Scott. But if you leave a name, number, and a brief message, I'll get back to you. All right. Well, obviously, we're dealing with some technical difficulties on that, and there he is. There he is. There he is. How's it going, brother? Yeah, great. You know, typical terrible Wi-Fi service in our condo, but uh, uh, unfortunately that seems to be the one drawback every year of being down here. Um, anyway, I don't know where the phone dropped. I did mention the injuries. Uh, they Again, 3-0, and but losing Adams now for probably a couple weeks, losing Corliss for eight weeks. Um, so they're going to have to continue to try to overcome those things and I did mention that the, the Packers, we talked about all the other teams that are 3-0. and 
the Packers actually play more of the remaining three and O teams than any other team in the NFL. So the schedule is not going to be easy. Um, but you know, they got to continue to bank as many wins as they can. And they get everybody healthy. Hopefully in three, four weeks, Villaga's healthy. Um, eventually Devontae Adams healthy. You got to start getting some of these guys back before you continue to keep losing guys. Um, and they got a, an opponent coming up who, you know, let's be honest, San Francisco 49ers aren't playing very well. Colin Kaepernick had a terrible game. But the one thing Colin Kaepernick has always done is uh, he's been rough on the Packers and because they're going to have to figure out a way to keep him in the pocket. The Cardinals kept him in the pocket, and let's be quite, let's be frank, he was awful. So the Packers are hoping for more awful Colin Kaepernick. That's true. They always seemingly did have their number, uh, the 49ers have, at least over the past few years. But that was with a Jim Harbaugh-led squad, obviously, with the decimation of injuries that you've seen from the 49ers. Uh, the fact Patrick Squillis retiring, Chris Borland retiring abruptly, Alden Smith being Alden Smith. And it it's not your average team. The one like uh, Another thing that you mentioned, I mean, yeah, this way Colin Kaepernick – We'll see how he plays, if he, if he plays up there. Obviously, we'll see if the read option's even a, a remote factor in this game. But also, just the simple fact that, uh, you know, with this team and uh, the Packers come off that short week, it's a, a game that many people think the 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 Packers should win, obviously, against a, a more depleted, less talented 49ers team. But they're facing their injuries on their end. Uh, Devontae Adams, obviously, we'll see if he's going to go. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know, Scott. I'm I'm intrigued to see how the Packers play, especially on that extra that less of a night uh, to prepare. And also, you're traveling out uh, out west. They are traveling out tomorrow, from what we uh, from what was uh, told, from what I heard on the radio today from other uh, media members. So they are traveling out uh, to tomorrow. But uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, how how is this a trap game for the Packers? Is this a game that where this team could really fall into something where, it, 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 you know? It, it depends. Look, it, uh, trap. I think trap games are only trap games if you're not a good team or you let things happen that shouldn't. Now, if they lose this game, don't get me wrong, San Francisco could win this game simply for a couple of factors. Number one, like I mentioned, the injuries. Yes, they fought through them, but eventually that takes its toll. They got to try to make sure they can get out of Santa Clara with any without any more uh, serious injuries. Uh, so the injuries and, and the lack of depth. I mean, they, they've got one tight end on the roster. So certainly they could they could run into a numbers issue. That could certainly happen. And they haven't shown that they could stop Colin Kaepernick yet. And Don Capers hasn't shown that he could stop Colin. Kaepernick. Other teams have figured it out. We need to see the Packers do that. So certainly they could lose this game. Certainly they could run into a trap. They're the better team. They still have the better roster. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how they're able to, to – to, you know, the Packers may have to make three trips out to the Bay Area. I was looking at their schedule. There's three furthest games. They play at Denver, and then they play at Oakland and at San Francisco. The Super Bowl is also held in Santa Clara. So if the Packers – if the season goes the way the Packers want, them, want it to – they won't mind making that third trip out to the Bay Area in early February. But um, but this is their longest, this one, and, of course, the Oakland game are their longest road trips of the season. So uh, we'll see how they're able to handle that. You mentioned the day, 
it, but you know, I, I think the Packers as an organization are used to stuff like that. They've been a premier franchise, uh, Aaron Rodgers and this team since essentially since Aaron Rodgers second year as a starter, they play national televised games. They do the Monday night and then have to play on Sunday. I mean, they, I, you know, I, I think they'll be okay that, from that standpoint. But the injuries do concern me. And, you know, I, I think when you look at it, it, it's some of those things where, as I mentioned, without being redundant, they'll eventually catch up to them if they don't start getting some of these guys healthy soon. So uh, so we'll see. But, yeah, other than that, you know, what does San Francisco have? Vernon Davis is questionable. He may not play. Torrey Smith may not play. So that leaves an Anquan Bolden and, and Carlos Hyde and, and a little bit of Reggie Bush, who's also been a little banged up. So, you know, some of the weapons on this team, some of the offensive weapons for San Francisco, they've had their share of injuries too. So, again, that, that should mitigate some of the injuries the Packers are dealing with. Yeah. And uh, uh, going back to the game real quick, obviously now we get a chance to, to review it quick, but let's do a quick rewind. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. five touchdown passes, uh, offense still churning, defense looking sharp for the most part up until late when the garbage time started arriving. Uh, your your thoughts, just a quick recap. We'll start our offense first. Uh, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, best play, uh, best player in the league, but also the fact that, uh, and maybe this is more of a joke, I don't know if you heard about the pro football focus initially grading him out as a negative .8 and giving him in a quote-unquote F, but yet – He's the NFC Player of the Week, and uh, your your thoughts on his performance? Obviously, he looked quite well, solid. Wait, are we talking about? Are we talking about before the draft? That's what he graded out at. No, they're talking about like the grade for the game. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> they upgraded like, to point seven to to clear like or, or maybe a day or so ago. I don't I don't pay attention to the Pro Football Focus. I don't have a subscription or anything, or I don't watch. I don't really pay attention to the the grade I, I out. Don't, I don't different. either. But is it like is it written by the same people who write the Onion? Like <laughs> no, like seriously. Like I mean, I, I don't even. I, I honestly don't even want to give it that much pub if that's how ridiculous of a of a publication is. I, I don't understand the basis of anything like that. Now I did read this week uh, because obviously it was Aaron Rodgers versus Alex Smith. So it was nice to go back and read some of the scouts, most of which, and I'll give three of them credit because they put their name on, on their evaluations, their pre-draft evaluations of Aaron Rodgers. Of course, most scouts, like they always are, are cowards, and they go unnamed, and they blast people before they get drafted and say uh, really stupid, trollish kind of stuff and then don't ever put a name to it so they can't ever be held accountable to their stupidity. Um, but I remember reading some of that this week and chuckling a little bit at uh, some of the pre-draft evaluation of Aaron Rodgers. But as far as how anybody could have watched that game and graded him, that I mean, was it his best game ever? No, heck no. I mean, did he make a couple of mistakes? He had a ball that should have been picked. He made a couple of bad throws. But it, it was, at the very least, you know, a B-. minus. I don't understand, like, I don't, I, I guess I just I have no idea what, what they could have been thinking. But aside from that, offensively, Aaron Rodgers was great. He was without Devontae Adams. James Jones continues to be a nice safety blanket, which I knew was, that was exactly what was going to happen when they signed him, and it's proven to be a good signing. Um, a little bit concerned. Lacey was really unable to get on track. Still obviously it hurt. I mean, he played through, through that injury, but he wasn't at 100%, so the running game wasn't where it should have been. Um, 
Rodgers showed some great escapability. Um, it just continues to amaze me that people didn't think he was athletic enough to, 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 you know, and they were some of the knocks on him in the pre-draft very, which is he panics and he can't get out of trouble and he can't create his own plays, which again, obviously we've seen that's not the case, but offensively, I would have liked to see them be more effective running the ball. But again, you know, Lacey's banged up and, and I think they're going to try to establish the run. I think they want to run more than they did and run more effectively than they did on Monday. But, you know, the game plan and, and the, the game is, as it's unfolding sometimes dictates what you do. And they were, they had to pass a little bit more than I think they would have wanted to. Um, but I thought offensively they played fine. I mean, they scored, certainly scored enough points. Absolutely. And so that's what, you know, yeah, and obviously they put one up big and, and are you concerned at all with the defensive performance? Are you concerned with the way they – obviously the Chiefs, you know, it was their time, due time at – and the, the Packers were up big when they started going, putting, going on that scoring spree. Are you worried at all? Or, I mean, was it just – I mean, the Packers' defense was pretty dominant throughout the entire game up until uh, Kansas City put up some points like that. I, I, I'm, yeah, I think there's got to be worry. They're, they're a – average defense at best and they need the offense to get ahead to take teams out of their game plan i think the defense still scares me in a game where the if if there's a game that's going to happen this year and you know there's going to be a couple it's the nfl where the offense can't get untracked you know and and it's unlike the badgers where if the offense is struggling i believe the badgers defense can can keep a team in a game for three three and a half quarters and wait for the offense to come along the Packer defense can't do that you know, they need the Packers' offense to, to get up on teams and, and take teams out of their rhythm and take them out of their game plan, and then the defense looks decent. Um, you know, I think the young secondary players have played well. I think Clay Matthews continues to be a beast, and I was happy with the pass rush. I thought that was really good. But they still can give up, uh, you know, big plays uh, soft over the middle, and, I, you know, I think that you'll see that against certain teams. Again, maybe not so much against the Niners with an injured Vernon Davis and a Torrey Smith. Um, I do like the – listen, this defense can be better than I think they are if they continue to get a constant pass rush like they did against Kansas City. If you can get six sacks, even if you don't get six sacks, but you can get five, six, seven, eight hurries, then I think that that's going to cover up a lot of the deficiencies on this team. And we've said that for years, and it seems like a simple formula, right? get pressure on the quarterback, and everybody goes, oh, you're just being so simplistic. But isn't that what the recipe was on on Monday? They put pressure on Alex Smith, and they were able to get to him a couple times and, and end some drives. That being said, you know, Jamal Charles is a fantastic ball player. Travis Kelsey is a good young tight end. And Jeremy Macklin had some great seasons in, in Philadelphia. Finally, a touchdown for a wide receiver, as I project, 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 projected. I'm trying to combine two words projected last week but you figured that was going to happen really that offense though for kansas city you know they they laugh and they joke about alex smith being the king of checkdowns but that's really what he's been that's why they haven't been able to complete touchdown passes to wide receivers for the last 18 and a half games until monday because he always checks down and, and picks the easy route and doesn't challenge teams downfield um so am i worried about a few of the big plays no it was garbage time um, am I worried overall? Yes. I'm worried about the defense if they can't put pressure on a quarterback. 
And I still worry about a defense when they put this defense when they play a mobile quarterback. I know they did fine enough against Russell Wilson. If they can shut down Colin Kaepernick, again, not because Kaepernick's great, because he's not, but he's been great against the Packers. If they can exercise that demon, maybe I'll change my opinion a little bit. One nice thing, they held Jamal Charles. A lot of people, obviously, you go through a gamut of really talented running backs the first four games of the season. Uh, first three for sure, where you had Matt Forte, Marshawn Lynch, Jamal Charles. Only held them to 49 yards, 11 carries. Three touchdowns, yes, but held them to under 100 yards there. Uh, and uh, now they go on to face a... Uh, San Francisco team without Frank Gore, longtime 49er who's now with Indianapolis Colts. But you're looking at Carlos Hyde, who many Badger fans know from his days at Ohio State, a very explosive runner. And, yeah. and it, I mean, it, I like you're going Carlos up against Hyde. a gamut. Yeah, I definitely I like him yeah. too. Uh, very good back, and it'll be another challenge for the defense. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but, again, you, you take a team out of that rhythm by scoring every time you get the ball. So you get a 10-point lead early, 14-point lead, Whatever it is, now teams will be less likely to run the ball and they'll force the ball downfield, hence staying in the pocket longer, hence building up your, your pass rush and getting some sacks and some hurries. So, again, the game plan to me continues to be the same. If you're pack, I think the Packers offense, I think Aaron Rodgers has more pressure on him than any other player in the NFL. And I know it's going to sound silly, but he's a great quarterback. So you're going to say, well, why would he have pressure on him? He's great. He's one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. He knows that his offense, they have to score every time out there almost to set the pace, especially early, jump on teams early. He's top receiver, Jordy Nelson, out. His, what should be his number two receiver now, Devontae Adams, out. Two banged up running backs and no depth at tight end. But yet he's going to go out there on Sunday and say, we got to score, you know, two or three times in our first four possessions to set the tempo and, and make it easier on our defense. A lot of pressure, but yet, you know what? He still handles it. He doesn't melt under pressure, again, like some of the unnamed scouts figured he would once he got to the NFL. Um, what I love about him is that, you know, there was a comparison to Michael Jordan. You know, I, I don't know if you heard that. James Jones referred to him as a Michael Jordan. I'll tell you where he's similar to Michael Jordan. He makes the, the game look easy, okay? He makes the game look easy every time he's out there. He does these phenomenal things. He makes it look easy. I'll tell you another reason why he's like Michael Jordan. He plays with that chip on his shoulder. Michael Jordan was going to prove everybody wrong because they said he was never going to be an NBA player and he was never going to be a star. Aaron Rodgers is proving everybody wrong. Now, is he Michael Jordan? No. Michael Jordan's got six rings. Aaron Rodgers wins a couple more Super Bowls. He's in that realm. You can, you can mention him in that same lexicon as Michael Jordan. Right now, he's the best player in the NFL. If I had to pick one player to win me a game, it would be him. But I'm not ready to call him MJ yet. But I can understand the comparisons for sure. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see. I think from what it sounds like, Bleacher Report had an article saying Tolzien said the same thing, watching Jordan in his prime. Yeah, and I get yeah, obviously the way he makes it look easy. But I'll agree with you there with the simple fact that you know the championship part is much less to be desired at least yet. Uh, but uh, we'll see what they do. Uh, and let me ask you a hypothetical before we kind of go to the NFL. Uh, it's about 8.23, just as an FYI for everyone. In about 12 minutes, we'll have Patrick Vint from Blackheart Gold Pants helping us preview Wisconsin and Iowa for the battle for the Heartland Trophy and 
a key Big Ten West division matchup with the winner gaining a lot of momentum and essentially a game-and-a-half lead in the Big Ten West division standings. He'll be joining us in about 12 minutes. But uh, with with the Packers' schedule, Scotty, when you have mm-hmm. – when you look at their schedule, and do you think this team has a chance uh, in terms of wins? Let's, let's play a quick game. Uh, do you think they can get 14 wins? this season if if they can manage if they can manage to not have any more serious injuries i still think their ceiling's 13 i i do i think i i I think that there's you know denver is going to be tough in denver um minnesota you know looks. i mean detroit doesn't look as tough as i thought they were um so i guess maybe but you know games at carolina that's a tough one yet too they have to deal with um Arizona. I mean, I know it's in Green Bay, but wouldn't that be interesting? You know, somebody painted a picture of now. Obviously, I don't think either team is going to be at that position, but where they saw two two fourteen and one teams playing at Lambeau that that in week uh, week sixteen, but game fifteen. Now, tell me that wouldn't be interesting. Um, but I don't think either team's going to get there. I think the Packers are a 13 and three team, but could they win four? Yeah, absolutely. Look, if I think you can win 13, then certainly you're able to win 14. Obviously you just have to have a break here and there go your way. Um, but I think, you know, 12, 13, 14, 14 on the top end, you know, 11 on the low end, again, barring any major injury division winner. Yes. Number one seed likely again, an Arizona game in Green Bay is going to be a doozy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule. Obviously, 49ers are tough, but, you know, you have a, a decent Rams team. Granted, they lost to the Redskins. You have the Chargers with Melvin Gordon. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, like I said. Very it, it, injured Charger team. I mean, they're missing yeah. four starting offensive linemen. And, and um, you know, some, some of the injuries not as serious. But as of right now, they're missing some players. Like, that's that's tough. I I'll tell you what, I'd be more afraid. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying it, but I'm saying it. The team that scares me, other than, I said, Denver and Arizona, maybe Carolina, that game in Oakland, because that's another travel game. Uh, uh, Oakland's looking a little bit better. I mean, I know they're still the Raiders. We'll see, but um, who else is scary on this? On this, you know, I mean, St. Louis is Jekyll and Hyde. Their defense is stellar. Their offense hasn't been able to muster anything. Dallas, uh, you know, Romo should be back. Um, or could be. I shouldn't say should be. Could be back when that um, – don't know if Des will be back yet. But if they got their weapons, yeah, I don't think you can count out Dallas either. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Dallas and uh, depends on when Romo really gets back. Uh, and we all know how those type of injuries that he has goes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the big one – I mean, obviously the Broncos – at Denver on November 1st after they come off their bye. Uh, but you mentioned the Panthers. I mean, those are two back-to-back crazy games on the road. And then, you know, the Cardinals, like you said, the Cardinals, that's the big one. We'll see what that defense does. And, and, and obviously, you have a, kind of a resurgent Larry Fitzgerald, Carson Palmer's back. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you something. Okay, so we know we knew, look, we knew it that when you, we talked at the beginning of the year, everybody said, oh, the Cardinals have a good defense. We knew that. That was a given. They lead the, the league right now in, in, in uh, points scored. And 
I know the defense sets some of that up. I think they've got like four defensive touchdowns already. But Larry Fitzgerald has five touchdowns. And last year he looked like a player on the downside of his career. Uh, they, Floyd and Brown have been banged up. If they get those guys back, you've got a three-headed monster there. Their top running back, Ellington, has been hurt, and they've managed to take retreads like Chris Johnson and the other Johnson, the rookie, and was able to have, have cobbled together a pretty good running game. So it gives you a lot of different weapons. And Carson Palmer, man, I mean, he's a better player later in his career, I think, than he was some of the seasons in the beginning of his career, even though he had some good ones with Cincinnati. Uh, his biggest bugaboo has been the injuries over the last few years. But if he can stay healthy and upright, he's a viable, legitimate quarterback for a team that's got a lot of weapons and one of the top defenses in football. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any surprises from last week and coming up for this week that uh, – well, let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk real quick. we got about seven well, minutes before Patrick joins us, but, but yeah, let's, well, uh, let's I'll, go through the NFL right now. Yeah, I'll give you one right now. And I, I know they're playing – and I, I'm outside now. I was watching the game before that. Baltimore was winning 7-3. to Don't know what they're doing right now. But Baltimore being 0-3 is a surprise. I don't think a lot of people thought that was going to happen. Uh, the injuries, think about the great – Tony Romo's out for a while. Ben Roethlisberger got hurt last week. He's out for a while. We don't know what's going on with Drew Brees and his injuries. Those are some top-notch, top-10 quarterbacks. Let me tell you what the biggest surprise is. You know, we focus on the negatives in 0-3 Baltimore and 0-3 Detroit. How about Atlanta? I, I mean, yeah, the, I understand that Dallas did not have Romo, but Atlanta ran rough shot over Dallas last week to go to 3-0. and And their team, like, they remind me a little bit of um, – they remind me a little bit of that Atlanta team that the Pack, you know, as far as how they're playing early on, that the Packers ended up upsetting on the road to their Super Bowl win. But uh, they're definitely a team that's looking uh, looking really good early on. Um, so I think to me that's the biggest surprise. I mean, you know, the Patriots aren't a surprise. Once we knew Brady was playing, we knew that they'd be firing on all cylinders at the beginning of the year. But I think for Atlanta to be doing what they're doing has been the biggest surprise as far as teams that are overachieving or or maybe not overachieving, but overachieving to where we thought they were going to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, I don't know. Like it, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens this week coming up and I'm just looking at what's going on for Sunday and let's take a look. Uh, Let's see. Well, I'll tell you what. The, the yeah. NFC East is, is interesting to me because the, the the Cowboys with their injuries are 2-1. and one. Even though Philly, Washington, and the Giants haven't played well, that division still very much wide open. And Philly plays Washington in, in a big uh, big NFC East battle um, this week. Uh, you have your first London game um, as the Miami Dolphins are traveling over to London and with should be a doozy. How about the Buffalo Bills? I mean, are you surprised by how good the Buffalo Bills look this week or how bad Miami looked or both? I mean, is Miami uh, kind of teasing everybody again as they were going to be the hot pick and a team that was going to make a playoff run? And it certainly looks, not certainly, it's definitely New England one, Buffalo two in that division, and the Jets three, and the Dolphins right now looking like the worst team in that division. 
Yeah, I mean, I've bought into Rex Ryan and his defense. I mean, if he, you've seen what Rex Ryan's you know defenses can do through his time at Baltimore with New York, at the Jets on that end, and then dealing with the oh sorry long day. Uh, looking at what he's doing in Buffalo, and even within the first few games, and yeah, they got torn apart by New England a week earlier, but uh, Buffalo can look the part, and we'll see. I, I think with that, uh, Buffalo, I, I, based off what's happened, I mean, Joe Philbin's job's got to be in jeopardy, the former Packers offensive sure, coordinator. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, hot seat is uh, getting toastier by the game, and uh, you know, in your everyone's been wanting to talk about Ryan Tannehill and 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 will he take the next steps? And obviously, just looking at some of these stats real quick, it's it's not really uh, not really great. And so, I mean, let's take a look at it right now. They're one and two on the season. And if my computer would actually load, which has been tons of fun so far today, uh, gotta love technology. But you know, Tannehill. Completing about 61% of his over a little over 61% of his passes, only five touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, and, and you look at the rush has gotten carved up, and and that and the young receivers haven't done what they thought. I mean, Shard Matthews has been good, but uh, the the two kids Landry, you know, the kids that they drafted high are yet to to kind of show up. And while you're looking that up, I just wanted to also point out because I, I happen to watch the Tennessee game in its entirety. Tennessee dribbled away a win against the Colts and really were about one or two plays away from putting the Colts at 0-3, which, again, what was a chic Super Bowl pick for a lot of teams, they almost started out 0-3. And as you've probably heard ad nauseum, only three teams that started 0-3 have made the playoffs since, like, 1988 or whatever it was. So that that could have definitely put them in a rough spot, but, you know, they were able to – to pull a victory out of the jaws of defeat, so to speak. But that was, would have been another surprise. If they would have started out 0-3 with Andrew Luck playing as poorly as he was, I think that would have been the, probably the biggest surprise in the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything else? Uh, we're going to have Patrick Vint from Blackheart Gold Pants coming on in just a little bit. Uh, he's also a wrestling fan too, Scotty, so I'm sure we're going to lace some uh, some wrestling references around uh, with Wisconsin-Iowa. Anything else before we, we close out the NFL? Uh, no, no. I think uh, if we can move on. We'll talk some college and maybe finish with a little bit of maybe a little bit of baseball talk. Yeah, sounds good, guys. We're gonna come back preview Iowa and Wisconsin. Before we do that, got a chance to interview Darius Hillary, Wisconsin's shutdown redshirt senior cornerback, talking about the Wisconsin Iowa rivalry, talking about what he needs to do, what they what the secondary will face, and and, and what they need to do to beat the Hawkeyes so what we'll do is uh, take a quick break play that come back and preview the game this is Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's fifth quarter um, I, mean, I would say uh, Physicality level kind of you know amps up you know, a little more, and it's not so much a, like you know running up the score on games. You, know, you got have to be ready for a four quarter game, so I definitely think we'll be ready for that. Will practice be different this week? Do you think than practices leading up to this week? Um, it might be a little different. Uh, you know, you never take any any opponent lightly. You know, we want to come out and practice hard every day, but 
Uh, intensity level might rise a little bit, you know, seeing as how this is a trophy game and my first Big Ten game, but I'm excited for it. You remember last year's game? Yeah. What stands out to you? Um, I mean, they're just a good team that, that are going to give you their best shot for four quarters, so we're ready, ready for the opportunity. What do you remember from two years ago, though? From two years ago, <laughs> yeah, I remember I, I got my first interception two years ago <laughs> with that game, and uh, it was a great experience, and I'm looking to have a have a good game this weekend. Do you still remember the coverage and the, the situation? Yeah, yeah, I still remember the situation everything, you know. Uh, cover three, um, I kind of baited the quarterback a little bit into throwing the deep ball because uh, I sat on something short, just ran back, and fell right under the ball and yeah. Did you think you'd have more by now after that first um, one? I mean, it's not something that I always think about. You just have to be able to make a play when it comes your way. So it's not like I'm every week like, oh man, like I, I don't have a pick. I need another one or something like that. It's just you have to be able to make the plays when it comes your way. Okay, yes, sir. From your vantage point, uh, what's impressive most about Chris R coming in as a true freshman? Because it doesn't seem like there are many. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's picked up this game uh, pretty well. You know, uh, Leon, Joe Schobert, Vince Beagle, and all those guys have kind of taken him under their wing and uh, have showed him the ropes. But I definitely think, you know, he's come in with the chip on his shoulder. Like, you know, I can play with these guys, which he can. He's done an amazing job thus far. And, you know, uh, I think he'll continue to do that for us. Have you ever looked at the Heartland Trophy? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's taken a couple guys to it. It's pretty heavy, but it, it's a cool experience uh, if you have the opportunity to after a big game. I'm sure that's something you guys talk about a lot is having all three trophies and at the same time. Is that on your um, mind at all as you start? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, we don't really talk about it that much. You know, it's just you know we want to come out with uh, the goal and mindset to to win football game and you know uh, with it being a trophy trophy week or trophy game that makes it that much more special yeah I was a physical team you're a physical corner how much do you look forward to a matchup like this uh, we definitely look uh, forward to it you know it's going to be a four quarter game kind of smash mouth football you know that's what both programs are known for and I'm just excited for the opportunity when it comes to you know talking about Chris Orr and some of the younger players DJ Edwards is game experience and during a trophy game, like what advice do you give them? Is it just same same old stuff different different week um, or how do you guys prepare? I definitely say don't make it bigger than what it is. You know, continue to play your style of football and continue to do what we do and that's just, you know, play our game, play badger football. You know, you can't make it bigger than what it is because then you can kinda of get outside of yourself or what you're doing and, and that might affect you. So I just definitely say, you know, just Keep doing what you're doing, study film, you know, get up with your coaches, ask as many questions as you can and and embrace your role on this team. And guys, that was senior cornerback Darius Hillary, uh, one of the two veteran cornerbacks for the Wisconsin Badgers, who will have to face a uh, quite uh, a tandem of wide receivers Saturday morning, starting Saturday morning into Saturday afternoon at Camp Randall Stadium, taking on uh, Tavon Smith and then also uh if I'm not mistaken, Matt Vanderberg, so who, uh, who has over 24, 20, 24 catches on the year. And so to help us preview the Wisconsin Badgers and the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, and, and a great guy, I had a chance to talk with him on on, on their podcast uh, last year. Had a lot of wrestling wrestling references, and I'm hoping to 
duplicate that as I'm doing a, a kind of we're both doing a double shot this uh, tonight, uh, going back to back on each other's podcast. We got Patrick Vint here, and uh, how you doing, my friend? And and how are you feeling heading into this game with the Badgers and, and the Hawkeyes? Boy, it takes something for a Wisconsin fan to call an Iowa fan a friend three days before <laughs> kickoff. But uh, no, I'm doing good. I, it's been a, a surprisingly pleasant year so far for Iowa football, and, and that makes everything a little bit better. Now, Patrick, you know, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, to me, any one of those three teams I thought could win the West. Um, so this is obviously a big early season game. Educate some of our fans about this this version, this year's version of the Hawkeyes, things to look at, their strengths, and things maybe that they don't do as well that they'd like to improve here early on. Well, if you're going to talk about Iowa in 2015, you kind of have to start with with the changes in, in kind of the scheme that they're using at this point. Um, they went back to the drawing board after last year. They lost to Wisconsin, or to Wisconsin, excuse me, in the penultimate game. Um, blew a, a big lead against Nebraska late and then got blown out in a bowl game against Tennessee. And they kind of threw everything out and started all over from scratch. Um, they have revamped the special teams. They've revamped um, the running offense more than anything else. They're, they're now kind of running a bit of Wisconsin's game. It used to be Iowa would run almost exclusively outside and inside zone and is now um, running power, running ISOs, running counters. They, they were doing just about everything that you could in the running game. Um, and that's all in service of C.J. Bethard, who's the new quarterback and who uh, has been kind of a revelation. He's got a far better arm than Jake Rudock ever had, and that's really opened up a lot of the offense, not just downfield, but also uh, the quick pass game that, that – Greg Davis has wanted to run now for four years, finally seems to be working. Um, if, if you can stop Bethard, you probably have a pretty good chance of beating Iowa, but no one's done it yet. Uh, he runs real well um, when he has to. They don't have a whole lot of designed run plays for him, but um, he does scramble uh, particularly well. Use that to beat Iowa State almost by itself. Um, the running game, as always at Iowa, is important, but also is always hindered by injuries. And sure enough, we've got a couple of guys dinged up. Um, but they've been been pretty effective running the ball, and and Bethard has done a nice job of evening things out. We're here with Patrick Vint from Blackheart Gold Pants, our SB Nation cousins, as the Iowa Hawkeyes look to improve to five and zero on the season taking on the Wisconsin Badgers. Last time they did that, by the way, uh, fun little note from the game notes, uh, which I, I study during my lunch breaks because I'm bored. You're looking at uh, since 2009. And uh, that, in that same year is the year that they came to Camp Randall and won 20 to 10. Uh, I still remember that. That was 2009 when uh, they're still Scott Tolzien and Kurt Phillips, the immortal Kurt Phillips, as I'll refer to as when they were switching off at, at quarterback at that time. And, you know, you mentioned some of the offensive weapons, or, you know, and C.J. Beathard, and, and I guess, you know, you, you said he's a revelation, but uh, who are the other weapons on that offense that obviously have Jordan uh, Kinseri, uh who's uh, racking up some big yards? Iowa's rushing offense nearly 200 yards per game on the ground, uh, coupled that with that passing game. Uh, they're putting up some big numbers offensively. Uh, who should Badger fans know about heading into Saturday's game? It's kind of a three-headed beast for this week. Um, sure enough, Beathard. You mentioned Kanzari. He's been he was actually the backup at the beginning of the year. Has been remarkably effective with the um, the would be starter Lashawn Daniels 
uh, kind of dinged up ever since the first half of the Iowa State game. Uh, Kanzari's really taken over. He's a, a fifth-year senior. He's experienced. He's quick. Um, he's kind of a smaller back than I was used to, uh, and he does have some problems fumbling, but he's been, been remarkably effective. Um, and then Matt Vandenberg, who was a uh, potential walk-on receiver who actually got a scholarship uh, in August camp as a freshman and then ended up playing as a true freshman, has really come through this year as a junior. Um, he's the the you know, consummate Iowa possession receiver, uh, catches everything that's near him, has been pretty effective in the screen game, uh, and, and has been able to kind of pull linebackers and secondary away from the line of scrimmage by being so. Um, Tavon Smith would normally be their number one receiver, but he's uh, got a, a sprained knee and probably won't play Saturday. Um, and so I would expect even more Vandenberg than usual. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know that – I know that you and other Iowa fans have seen your fair share of Wisconsin over the last few years, and it's a team that used to, you know, be a team that you have stopped the run, and, and the pass was an afterthought. And this year's team, I think it's defense first, then they throw the ball, and then they they're trying to still establish the run. So defensively for the Hawkeyes, uh, looking at the running game, not as big of a threat as in the past, and, and maybe Joel Stave being a little bit more of a threat, does that play into the hands of the Hawkeyes a little bit more than in the past years, or are they more well-balanced that doesn't matter as much? It's a pretty balanced defense. I would say that they're probably a little bit stronger against the pass and the run. They've got a, a deep and experienced secondary. Uh, Desmond King, who plays – as their top cornerback has been uh, fantastic throughout the, the first month of the season. And um, their free safety, Jordan Lomax, is a senior who's kind of the leader of the entire unit. Um, their biggest problem has been uh, defensive end Drew Ott is a, is a great pass rusher, but he's also been been uh, injured. He had a dislocated, I think, elbow during the Iowa State game and has been kind of 50-50 on, on every game since. Um, without him, they haven't gotten much of a pass rush. And so – the concern for Iowa obviously has to be letting Stavi drop back and throw the ball. Um, and so I would expect maybe a little bit more blitzing than you're used to seeing from Iowa. They have shown an a ability to do that when they need to. Um, but I'm with you. I think the game is going to probably be decided in large part between Iowa's offense and Wisconsin's defense, given just how strong the Badgers have been. And then, you know, whatever Wisconsin can generate on offense might be enough to get by if Iowa can't get much going. Here with Patrick Vint from... Blackheart Gold Pants here on Bucky's fifth quarter and the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza and, and you know with with that now there's been if, if I'm not mistaken Patrick I, am I correct to hear that Kirk Ferentz has thrown a couple of fake fields of fake field goals fake punts uh, how has <laughs> special teams been uh, with this mad scientist known as Kirk Ferentz and what and what it what brought is this part of that rebuilding that going back to the chalkboard you mentioned earlier. You're talking about master of fakes, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, um, he um, he has run two fake field goals so far this year, both of them unsuccessful, both of them widely praised by the fan base because it's the first time I've seen anything like that from him probably in 15 years. So um, they've run two fake field goals. They've gone to the kind of uh, new age shield punt, which I think has, has been very beneficial for them, although they did have one blocked against Pitt. Um They've been running rugby punts occasionally when they've got a, a long one to kick. Um, they've got a kicker named Marshall Kane who kicked a 57-yard field goal to beat Pitt. He's 
one of probably the most effective offensive weapons they've got, frankly. He's a really good uh, deep punter and a, and a great um, uh, place kicker. And I think they're really trying to take advantage of that. Now, they're still Iowa, so you're still not going to see a whole lot in the return game. They're pretty conservative on that, that front. But um, uh, it goes back, you're right, to, to them kind of going back to the drawing board with almost everything, and especially since they let them down a lot last year. Uh, the Nebraska loss was pretty much solely because they gave up two long punt returns in the fourth quarter um, and, and let the defense uh, try to defend a short field. And I think that was kind of the uh, the impetus behind the, the wholesale changes, and, and still most of them are on the special team side. Patrick, let me ask you a little bit about Kurt Ferentz. Uh, here's a guy who's been uh, – his tenure is amazing, and, and people forget about sometimes how long he's been there. And I think sometimes when coaches are at a school as long as, as he's been, unless it's a – you know somebody winning national championships, I think sometimes they get taken for granted. What, what does the Iowa fan base feel about him? Does he get unfairly criticized sometimes, being, you know, being an insider like you and being there in Iowa, uh, or is he loved and, and cherished throughout the state? I wouldn't say he's loved and cherished. I don't know if he ever really has been. He's not, he's not loved on the same plane as a guy like Hayden Fry was. Um, he's, he's widely respected everybody kind of appreciates his demeanor. He's pretty soft-spoken. He's, um, you know, the, his teams are always kind of hardworking, the kind of teams that Iowa fans can get behind, and I think that, that fans generally appreciate that. Um, I wouldn't say he's unfairly criticized. I think that there have been times in the last few years, especially um, especially last season and, and in 2012, where um, they didn't really want to adapt to, to – the game as it's played today and as a result really kind of suffered. Um, but he's, in, he's even come out and said he's a new Kirk this year and everybody's happy to see him. And uh, frankly, I think everybody would be happy to keep him around if, if they continue to play like they're playing now, if they continue to look like they're, they're um, innovating. They built a new football facility um, over the last couple of years. And Ferentz has admitted he spent probably too much time out, fundraising and working on the facility and of time coaching. And I think that probably played into it. But if, uh, if they can keep putting it together like they are, I don't think you'll hear too much from Iowa fans uh, negative about, uh, about old Kirk. Here's Patrick Vint from Blackheart Gold Pants here on Bucky's fifth quarter. And obviously, I mean, just some fun stats uh, between both teams. I mean, you're looking at the fact that Iowa's defense only allows 84 yard rushing yards per game. Uh, you have the fact that Iowa's defense only their front seven only holds opponents to 2.65 yards per touch, which is a very impressive. Uh, and it, just looking at the even this like I'm looking at this Patrick the the one note and I, I sent this off to one of your 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 uh, fine writers at Blackheart Gold Pants with, with Ross saying one matchup at Tenoji is Iowa's big you know they lead the Big Ten in third down conversions and red zone offense Wisconsin only allows just under 32% on third down conversions, and but they lead the conference in red zone defense. Uh, in your opinion, what are the main keys to the game? Well, maybe one on each side with offense and defense. Uh, and what's your prediction for the game? I think if, if Iowa is able to effectively run the ball, I think they've got a, a fighting chance on the offensive side at the very least. I, 
any game between Iowa and Wisconsin is going to probably come down to something in the trenches. Iowa has shown an ability to throw the ball 40 times. They did it against Pitt. Um, I think they kind of accepted that they were going to get pressured by by Pitt's defense and, and adjusted accordingly. But I don't think that Iowa's going to come out and throw the ball 45 times against Wisconsin. I, I do think they're going to try to get the ball uh, between the tackles. And especially um, if you're looking for a, a point where it's really going to be important, I think Iowa's interior line against um, Wisconsin's uh, defensive front is going to be probably the most important part of Iowa um, actually being able to do something on offense. On the defensive side, I think it comes down to whether or not they can get pressure on Stavi because if he's able to take four or five seconds to find a receiver, he's going to find one. And I think it's difficult to beat Wisconsin if they can throw the ball like uh, like they have against uh, some of their more recent opponents. So I think the, the pass rush is important, and obviously if they can get odd in the game and get him um, to the quarterback, it's going to change things pretty considerably for them. Um, I, for the first time in years, I'm not that concerned about Wisconsin's running game but I do think that Stavi could win this thing if, if given enough time. And my prediction for the night, I, I'm oddly confident in Iowa for the first time in quite some time. I think Iowa probably goes into Camp Randall and wins this thing about 28-24. It's going to be a close one. It's going to be a close one. I'm I thinking 21-13. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it might even be 21-20. It's going to be close. It's going to be very, it's going to be within the touchdown. You know, it's going to be really. I'm really interested in seeing how this game plays out, especially. I mean, with that, I think Beth Bethard's going to be that wild card, and just if he can, his mobility, if he can create the plays, if he can scramble, if, if I mean, if Wisconsin over, that's a big thing. Wisconsin over pursues with that defense, and you have Schobert and Beagle that are leading the the league total for a tandem uh, with tackles for loss. I mean, if he can escape them, it, I mean, and it, he's shown that he can with other defenses. It, it's going to be a long day for Wisconsin. And it's going to be quite the interesting matchup. Yep. No, I agree completely. If if uh, Wisconsin starts getting too aggressive and we're pursuing almost up running lanes, he'll certainly take advantage of them. And he's kind of sneaky fast. He can kind of uh, turn it on when he needs to, although it looks like someone should be catching him real fast. They they, they don't ever seem to. So, um, no, I agree completely. Wisconsin stay home and stay in their lanes if they're going to try to keep, this, uh, keep better in the pocket and keep Iowa throwing. Well, Patrick, it's been great having you on. I'm looking forward to talking to you in just a little bit over uh, with, with you guys. Is it going to be you and Adam? Are we going to have some fun talking yeah. some Ric Flair and some NXT and, and some uh, maybe some maybe I'll try to do, get some Tyler Breeze references going on in there? Say so we'll queue up all the dusty roads you want. Awesome. <laughs> See you in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Patrick. Guys, Patrick Vint, Blackheart Gold Pants. Make sure you go to uh, check out their website. Obviously, one of the great uh, websites on SB Nation. Uh, what we'll do now, uh, you know, we'll take uh, one more quick break. We'll come back, wrap up the show. This is the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter.
Hey guys, that was Patrick Vint from Blackheart Gold Pants here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter, the Kilbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at HS underscore BHGP. And of course, follow us on Twitter at B5Q at Kilbasa Kings WI for Scotty at Scott Wisniewsk2 and me, Jake Coco, K O C O. B5Q. And you know, before we transition over to baseball, real quick, just to make sure you guys know, I talked about it at the beginning of the show. Wisconsin got some big-time recruits, uh, commitments, verbal commitments, obviously. Today, you're looking at defensive tackle Garrett Rand, the Chandler, Arizona, four-star recruit, committed earlier today. And even later today, you saw a legacy recruit, four-star, two, class of 2017 offensive lineman Caden Lyles, brother of Kare Lyles, who's a 2016 commit for Wisconsin at quarterback. Caden uh, is a 300-pound offensive lineman, one of the top five guards, according to Scout, 24-7 sports uh, rivals. It, it, it is a very uh, great pickup for Wisconsin on that end. And Wisconsin now, according to many of the Recruiting posts you're looking at at services, you're looking them top 25, obviously very much, uh, very, very, very uh, much early in the game. But the fact that they're they're putting together a very solid class is, is a solid sign. And Scott, let me just say too, I mean, a lot of people came in wondering if Paul Chris could recruit. And in his first recruiting class, he, he's making a pretty big statement so far. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it pans out. You know how I feel about a lot of I know you do. <laughs> um, but, and and it, they'll be a top 25 class, and then they'll be like fifth or sixth in the Big Ten, and then they'll still perform better than than half of the Big Ten schools that are ranked ahead of them. I, I hope the kids turn out to be good ball players and fit the scheme. Um, speaking of which, before we get into baseball, we have like five or six minutes left. Uh, I'll give you a quick prediction. I'm picking Iowa 23-21. I'm picking the Packers. Uh, 27 to 24. Those are my two predictions for this weekend because I knew we'd get to them at some point. So yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, it, you're looking at. I'm looking. I'll say 20. I said 21 17 uh, in a Q and A I did with Black Heart Gold Pants earlier this week. But I, I plan on. Uh, yeah, I you know I may change that. I may go 21 20. I think Wisconsin just somehow pulls it out. Just I think the defense. Can hold better, and the big thing that that Patrick knows if Tavon Smith is actually out for that game, he is their deep threat. He averages almost 20 yards sure. per per catch, uh, and and uh, Vandenberg is he's averaging less than 10 yards per catch, and he's a wide receiver. They do a lot of screens. You'll see a lot of two tight end sets, uh, eye formation like what you what Patrick had said. A lot of either 21, 12, or even 11 personnel where you have a, a twins left, twins right, uh, and a look, and they utilize two tight ends nicely as well. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it can go either way. If Clement was in, I think Wisconsin would win, But uh, hand, yeah. hands down. But uh, we'll see if the Badgers can meet the challenge and, and then head into Lincoln uh, at 4-1. At, at and one. So uh, heading to baseball, obviously we don't have the uh, – yeah, we're, we're winding down the show. But let's talk some baseball. Obviously we talked about the Brewers with, with their new GM last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've got the five rookie starters, and they're pretty much just playing to evaluate for next year. Braun hasn't played in two weeks. He's going to have back surgery. I think he's done for the year, obviously. Okay, so you look at the National League. The Mets have won the division, the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Now the Mets and Dodgers are still jockeying for the number two spot for home home field for later in the playoffs. 
Pirates and Cubs are in the wild card. Pirates with a two-game lead with three games to go. Um, the Brewers could affect positively or negatively because they play the Cubs to end the year. Uh, but I still think the Pirates will hold on and host that wild card game. The American League is a little more interesting. Toronto chasing Kansas City. They own the tiebreaker. They're game back for the number one seed. But Toronto's won it. Kansas City's won it. Texas looks like they're going to win it. How about that? I made that pick at the beginning of the year, and everybody thought I was nuts for picking Texas. But um, the wild cards, that's where it gets interesting. The Yankees with a two-and-a-half game lead. Then the Angels, who have just a slim half-game lead over Houston. Houston collapsing a little, but that's a sign of a young team. You know, Obviously, they'll get some veterans in the offseason. Uh, they're a team that's going to be around for quite a while, but could miss out on the postseason. Out of those teams, I'm telling you, I, I think that um, – I think that we're my early prediction is we're going to see a Toronto uh, Toronto uh, say, uh, World Series, and I think it's going to be Toronto against uh, Pittsburgh. I think the Molina, the loss of Molina, I know he thinks he's going to be ready for the postseason. I think that hurts the Cardinals. I, I don't know why I'm feeling Pittsburgh this year, and Toronto has just been off the charts since they went and made the trade to get to Lewitsky and some of the other players there. Kansas City has been just kind of idling uh, over the course of the last month because they had everything wrapped up kind of early. But that's early, and we're going to talk more in depth about the postseason when it starts. By the time we talk next week, we'll be already into the AL Divisional Series, uh, likely, because I think the wild card games are played like Monday and Tuesday. Uh, but out of those teams, anybody you think you got a feeling for right now, um, do you think it's going to be an all-Missouri World Series? Is it going to be a Subway Series in New York? Is it going to be two L.A. teams, the Angels and the Dodgers? Uh, or do you have none of those teams in the World Series? Uh, uh, it's rough being, obviously, from the Milwaukee area. You always, yeah, I, I try to keep up with baseball as much as possible in between the, the, the football football writing. But, I, I you know, part of me and, uh, I don't know, your, your old colleague, Drew Olson, uh, mentioned that he was kind of the uh, rooting for for Kansas City. I I yeah, yeah I know I you're know. not a big fan of that, but uh, uh, you know he's I have been to a Yost lover from day one though, so he's been a Yost <laughs> apologist. Yeah, uh, I mean it's hard to doubt. I mean the impressive thing, maybe I'll root just for someone from the. I I don't necessarily have a a favorite in the in the NL. I'll say someone from the NL Central that's not the Cardinals. Uh, but, uh, I, but you know, you know, that, that, that's the fan in me. The logical person tells me St. Louis right now at 159, uh, 60, almost a 63% winning percentage, uh, which is impressive, especially for the, uh, for baseball season and, and winners of the seven of the last 10, uh, I think they'll represent the NL. I, I think, you know, I'll go all Missouri right now. I, I like Kansas city and obviously you want to root for some former brewers. Um, uh, and I think they have the most yeah. talent uh, Lorenzo Cain, I thought he was a solid prospect. Yeah. LCD's Escobar, uh, among others. So, um, so I'll, I'll I, go with to me, that to, for To now. me, uh, we can have a whole show about how I think Escobar is very, very overrated. Yeah, Cain's been fine, but would you have played him over Gomez if he was still here? Whatever. I, I would have played him over someone in left field, personally, but that's just my... Yeah, uh, okay. Thanks. Um, you you can have them. I'll tell you what. It, it could happen. That could very well be the case. Again, I don't think it can be the Mets. I think with Harvey going to be limited innings. I'm not buying the Mets. The Dodgers, sure, but their payroll will be the best team in the National League. But, again, if Molina's healthy, St. Louis certainly has the edge. But 
I think without Molina, that affects the pitching. I don't care about what he does offensively anymore because obviously at his age, he's not hitting for the power he used to and all those other things. But the way he handles that pitching staff, he's like a pitching coach on the field. And I think that could change some things if he's not at 100%. Yeah. Uh, it'll be, so, we'll see what happens going forward. And obviously it's a wonderful time of the year where you have the playoffs in baseball. You have the Badgers and the Packers obviously playing uh, at, at, at decent levels, uh, at least for the Packers, uh, albeit the injuries. And, and the Badgers are, are still working to find their identity on, in the running game and, and, and part of it on defense. But uh, you're also, you know, you have that, you have, a big thing, you have uh, Badgers hockey starting up soon. The women's team, we're going to have Nicole Hazy on the show, hopefully one of these days, talk to preview some some Badgers hockey on that end. And also um, basketball, Scotty. You're looking at the training camp started. The ba- the Bucks are actually in, in the practicing in the Cole Center this week uh, with their partnership with the Badgers. And, and that's uh, you have former Badger Marcus Landry on the Bucks looking to secure a roster spot. Uh, just uh, you know, it, it, it's that time of the year where all the sports kind of converge. Uh, it's a good time mm-hmm. to be a sports fan. Absolutely, and we'll talk more about all of it, including hopefully some Bucks talk next week. And I'll be back in uh, in the state. I'll be back in the Midwest uh, when we convene again. So I'm going to go enjoy the last few hours that I have here on the shores, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week. Sounds great, guys. That's a Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski. Big thanks to Patrick Vint from Blackheart Gold Pants. Tune in next week. We'll review, recap Iowa, Wisconsin, Green Bay, San Francisco, and talk some baseball, among other talks. Guys, take care. Dozovacenia, this has been the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Record. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.